Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to V with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Aruba, the show of a doing radio education, but mostly about Quantros. Today's amazing conversation with the soon-to-be national manager of Collectif 1806, Miss Emily Arsenault. It's interesting because it's kind of the hunter becoming the hunted, as I've talked about with Michael Sanders. Emily used to do radio. This time she's behind the mic and getting interviewed, and it was kind of an interesting turn of the tables. We have a great chat, but today is Halloween and there is a very special event going down tonight in Dallas at Victor Tango's. Some of the podcast alums, if you will, will be guest bartending at this wonderful event, one of which is Emily will be there tonight. You talk about Omar Yafoon, you remember him, Josh Hendricks, Jules Hagen and Brian Floyd. This is benefiting the Barman's Fund and an amazing event to catch these all-stars all together in the same room on Halloween of all nights. But that aside, let's dive in to this chat with Emily Arsenault of Collective 1806. The radio DJ in college for a little bit, and then I actually haven't touched it or thought about it in like ten years. And then last week I was in Curacao and Aruba doing yeah. like cocktail classes for the local community. You saw there. some pictures. How do, what do you think about Aruba? Windy as hell, right? Uh, Aruba, I'm not that into. Sorry, yeah. guys. No, I, I didn't really like it either. Um, it was like fat, red, swollen American tourists that like <laughs> wore compression socks <laughs> and like fanny packs and. They were fine. They were that just, red and small. You're yeah. right. That is it. Yeah. That defines it exactly. They were pretty young. All you can get is grouper everywhere. Unless you go into the city. Because, you know, like when you're on the beach, like all they serve is the same kind of fish. Yeah. It's just like Applebee's and shit. Yeah. And it's like, really? I didn't like it. Curacao, however, is Different deal? the bomb. Curacao yeah. is awesome. What is it? What's the, What would you say is the difference? I know they're somewhat close, right? So Curacao is, I guess, bigger but less developed. And Aruba is super westernized. Yeah. Um, the difference in the bar communities there is like Aruba is a little bit more ahead. Um, I mean, they're still, you, you know. They think that the desalinization, is that what it is, desalinization or desalination with the water? Like, have you seen those big plants that they just suck in all the seawater and that's no. where all the drinking water comes from? Oh, damn. Yeah. No, um, no, I mean, I think they have more access to like, um, with all the tourism. So yeah. in Aruba, it's 80% American tourists. And in Curacao, it's 80% Dutch. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And both are, you know, both speak Dutch on both islands. But um, the bartenders have more access to like tourists and um, you know, people from other communities. And, yeah. um, and they have, you know, bigger, more expensive hotels. Like the Ritz-Carlton has a beautiful program there. And, oh, amazing. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But um, Curacao is still, you know, there's not really any major hotels. It's like all boutique. Mm. Um, it's just a little bit more isolated. So you get people so. that are like, it's the path less traveled. So you have people that are a little bit more initiated that go out there, I would say. Yeah. Because like in Aruba, in my experience anyway, that 
people go and they hang and they just want it to be really, really easy. Yeah. They don't want to have to explore anything, yeah. you know? No. It's much like cocktails, right? It's like, well, I'll just have my vodka. Yeah. So, <laughs> God bless you, sir, but someday it's good to upgrade, you know? Yeah, Curacao is awesome. I mean, I think the flagship bar program there would mm-hmm. definitely be, right now, it's a place called Kome. Um, the lead bartender there is named Luke. Um, unfortunately, I don't know how to pronounce Luke's last yeah, name, yeah. so it's very Dutch. But, I can hardly pronounce Anatham or yeah, whatever. So, yeah, we'll get to that. Um, but Luke's unbelievable. He's opening up his own place with um, a distributor partner of ours. And um, it's it's like a big company called yeah. Brancimex. And they have a distribution company. They have a radio station. And that's who really? I was doing interviews with. Yeah, that's it's, amazing. It's wild. And now they're opening up this cocktail bar. And it's going to be like a super progressive, like the first like cocktail cocktail bar on the First island proper thing. that's so, incredible like yeah kind so of putting that in place. being at the foundation you know what, yeah what, it's besides curacao which i don't even think comes from that region anymore does it i think originally no it's, it's not appalachian controlled at all i mean historically um so dutch colonization in curacao was in 1634 okay. so we think that you know they were really the pioneers of the style and mm-hmm. originally yes curacao the liqueur came from um, the island off the coast of venezuela right of course of and um, <laughs> I don't know. since I'm just saying numbers and facts, like no, it's about 18 miles this and is blah, be blah, good. blah. Like, yeah. We're going to have the best voices yeah. of any of the interviews. <laughs> we'll go back. Of, but of course, but of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> this day in wacky history. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, so, yes, yeah, so the, the orange liqueur is, um, you know, a very general category. It can yeah. really be a lot of different things. It's just an sweetened alcoholic beverage that tastes like oranges right is essentially all it is like or reminiscent of oranges yeah I think and the there's really not a lot of regulation at all um but so curacao was one of the um you know premier styles mm-hmm. but uh but yes curacao now um so that would be curacao style today would be like a grand Marnier okay or contra noir um so that are going to be brandy based and uh, much higher sugar level lower essential oils um you know, much heavier, maybe like a nut maceration. Right. In well, there. and there's some uh, some luging here too, which I well, never... so we're drinking Cointreau, which is okay, triple okay. sec. Oh, I see. So okay. it gets a little crazy because they're two totally different categories. Um, oh, even ca- categorically. Yes. Oh, so so Curacao kind of it's it started with Curacao, and yeah. then oranges were like the most exotic, crazy flavoring that anyone had ever heard of at the, you know the let's go to the early 1800s. Right. Um. So to be on trend. Um, the brothers Quantro in 1849, when they opened their distillery, um, you know, wanted to do a curacao because that's what everybody wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oranges right. were top, the most exotic thing. Yeah, right. yeah. Make, <laughs> so, make the hits, man. Yeah. So they made one. Um, and you know, we have uh, our archival documents. If you, I don't know if you've ever been to Angers, but uh-huh. um, at the Quantro Distillery, they have like unbelievable archives. And our sixth generation Quantro family member, Alfred Quantro has really kind of taken it upon himself to, you know, really do a lot of research and family history and yeah. archiving himself. And so, you know, him and uh, and the team of people he was working with identified is this boring? No. Okay. Well, I mean, so it's not boring, but there there are things like that I've 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 got to, I'm really curious about. Okay. Well, so all right, we're talking about how they became two different categories. Well, yeah, so, well, the, I mean, that's that's part of it, right? But like but I guess part of it is you seem so interested in the history aspect. Of it. I'm yeah. more curious why you're interested in it, if that makes sense. Not to say it's boring necessarily, yeah. right? But like you, you, you know it, and you seem to have some deep insight as yeah, to I just why feel, this happens. Like, what is this? How does this interest you? I feel really connected to it on a personal level because 
Um, my boss, who's also a close friend of mine, mm. was the Global Quantro ambassador for so long, and he's from Angers, and his family was so proud of him when he right. could work for Quantro. So, like, there's a personal connection there. I'm, you know, very good friends with Alfred, who's mm. the sixth-generation family member. You know, and so obviously he's passionate about it, and right. I can't help but get it's excited. Just, it's infectious. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but real quick, and I'll just knock this out. Um, no, no, good. So the Brothers Quantro did make um, a Curacao in 1851, uh-huh. um, but we can kind of see from the records that they weren't so stoked on it and, you know, really Do you have any didn't. idea, like, why it wasn't working um, for them? They just, um, I don't know if it was a commercial success or not, but they just didn't feel like it was the apex of what an orange liqueur could Got be. It. Okay. So we see them, We you know, you can see the recipes and the lineage of them, like, you know, lowering the sugar or, you know, adding fresh or, or sweet orange peels mm-hmm. as well as bitter, which is uh, historically, uh, it's only bitter in curacao. Right, right. Um, so they're adding additional ingredients. They're taking away sugar. They're, um, you know, sourcing oranges from different places. And then eventually they decide to get rid of the brandy base altogether okay. and not make it an aged spirit at all and use a neutral, like, beet Like a beet spirit. sugar? Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. A beet distillate. And, uh, and they do sweeten it with beet sugar, too. Interesting. Um, but so at that point, you know, it was 1875, and they're like, we've done something completely different than we set out to do. It's not even a Curacao anymore. So it becomes so, a side project almost, yeah. right? So it became triple set because yeah. they were naming it, you know, it started as Curacao, and then it tr- changed to Curacao triple sec, and then it changed to Curacao triple, and then they're like, you know what, let's just drop the Curacao and just, it's triple sec Total different thing. Yeah, totally. New, you know, new three, kid. Yeah. Three, three times as three sec. times as dry. Dry, got it. Okay. Yeah, uh, three times the concentrated aromatics. Yeah. Um, it's just totally different. So they're like, it doesn't even have the same base spirit anymore. It's just too different to call it yeah. that category. So that's how they stumbled upon a different genre. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we believe that that's how triple sec was invented. So. Interesting by accident. Because it's like, well, we tried to write a top forty song, and then we ended up doing it, but in a whole different yeah. way. I love, I love that. I'm gonna always, I always go back to music. Yeah, and that's one of the things we're, we're gonna have to talk about radio. I'm first. totally happy to talk about music. Huge yeah, part good. Of my, huge part of my life. Oh, good, so. good. I'm okay. not a musician, but no, but you love it. I yeah. mean, you were part of college radio. Obviously, at that point, you had to be because I was an intern for a radio station, alternative stuff in of the early like mid '90s. You just know everything that comes in. Yeah, it's like I shouldn't know Gwen Mars, right? I shouldn't know. American records and like all these other kinds of the small labels from the 90s but now I just can't get it from my memory now. yeah so but you're if I if I have read Facebook correct <laughs> I mean the news <laughs> the news yeah that's right so you're a Louisianian yes is that right so yes. you're born and raised in Louisiana yes um I'm from all over the state I was born in Lafayette yeah um I went to LSU so I was in Baton Rouge for many years um I actually went to boarding school um, before college, which is what? pretty unique. Did you do something? No, um, it wasn't. Fights, a, no fights. No, it wasn't okay. a disciplinarian thing, and uh, it wasn't a private program. It was a, it was like a pre-college program. Oh, okay. So more know. like prep school in a sense, right? Yeah, like, yeah get, but get it, you yeah, go. yeah, it was like yeah, we shared a campus with the college campus, oh, and that's cool. how I got into radio because yeah. it was one of the like, um, God, what do you call in uh, electives that yeah, you could do? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, oh. what would it have been? So what was kind of the main point of study at that point before you even kind of discovered radio were you thinking history science art yeah art. yeah because mm-hmm. you're a studio art major i was a studio art major i majored in ceramics actually a ceramics really? yeah which shockingly like as i've uh, grown up and become so much more interested in you know distillation yeah. for instance yeah, yeah. um you know there's certain aspects of it where there's some funny overlap well so. you can make a ceramic still if you want it 
I could. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a bit weird, but it is. But, <laughs> I mean, you can do clay stuff. They make a lot of just, uh, mescaleros will use clay. There you go. It's interesting. Yeah. So I might actually s- ask you to make me a pot of some sort. So. Okay. I don't know if I still got it, but um, it can yeah. be lopsided. It's fine. It can be. I was even totally thinking like look. during like the malting process, like understanding you know that whole thing. Yeah. Um, when we first started talking about kilns and all that, I was like, oh yeah, I got this. That's fine. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so is it where's the art artistry come from? That is, are your folks artistic? Do you have any brothers or sisters? That's um, how they lean. My sister's very artistic, um, but she ended up in academia. She's a professor at Tulane of Louisiana history. Yeah, amazing. And um, my brother is in a nursing program in Louisiana. But I actually ended up in Oregon, and that's um, I was living in Portland for about three years. Yeah, but that'll that'll do it to anybody. All right, no, (laughs) I think that's what knocked it out of me. Actually, I was like, I don't know. (laughs) So, is it the Oregon pieces before you went to LSU or after you went to LSU? After, yeah, when I graduated college, I moved to Portland, and then I actually met my husband pretty right off right off the bat. I mean, husband as of this October, but. Um, but yeah, he, so we were there, he was there for 13 years. I was there for three and then he got a job in Dallas. So we moved to Dallas. Interesting. Um, yeah. Even you can't be real stoked on Dallas. Dallas is great. There's some great people, but so big. It's so massive. Oh, I still okay. can't, I still can't get it yet. Uh, I love Dallas. I'll yeah. be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's been super good to me. The people are amazing. Our, our friend group. I just couldn't ask for better friends. Um, oh, I mean, there's some like Josh Hendricks. I love. Josh you know, I met Josh Hendricks when I was 11 years old. Whoa, wait. He, oh, because he's from Louisiana, he's too. He's from the neighborhood next to mine where I grew up in Louisiana. Are you kidding me? Yes. Was he I mean, skate? I'm not kidding. Yes. No, was he like a skate? Because I've, I've interviewed Josh as well. Like, Was he a skater punk kid, too? He was a skate kid. I was um, I was really close. My two best friends growing up were yeah. these two boys, one that lived across the street from me and one that lived in the na- next neighborhood over, and that's Josh's little brother. No kidding. Yeah, who now that's lives insane. here, actually. That's yeah. so crazy. Yeah, well, because his brother, we talked about, it, he's like he's like a, a hipster guitar player yeah. or something. Yeah, we don't so, we don't know which band it was. I don't think we remembered. But anyway, that's it's a very cool thread. And so you've known him for a long time. Yeah, that's insane. More than half of my life. Who would have thought? Yeah, it's he was the first like, person I ever knew with a car, which was really? awesome. Yeah, I had this big white Cadillac that was called Big Sexy, <laughs> and we'd be like, Josh, will you bring us to Sonic? Can we hang and out at Sonic? Sexy? And he's like, all right. He was so nice. Super <laughs> nice still, to us. Still like the, one of the nicest dudes. He's super nice. Well, yeah. I'm still, still some, I guess I can understand the art piece and moving to Portland or Oregon specifically. So the radio thing, was it about the music? Was it about being on air? What exactly about that appealed to you? Um, it was exciting being on air for sure. Yeah. I used to tape my old shows. Um, it's called the Emily Tastic Show. Oh, nice. Yeah. What is, was it, what was the theme of the show? Um, I don't know. Just whatever I was into at the moment. I mean, I'm one of those people that gets like super excited about one song or yeah. one album, and I like listen to it over and over and over and over and over again until I just can't stand it anymore. So it begs the question: if you can take it back, go back. What ten years now, something like that. Um, over ten years, yeah. Over ten years, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like twenty for me. But yeah. anyway, so, but what could you think of one of those those nuggets for you? One of those records that like you just kept listening to over and over again. There's probably a lot, but there's a lot. I mean, I think at the time I was sixteen. Yeah, so let's yeah. be clear. <laughs> <laughs> when I first started doing radio, I was sixteen years old. Um, I loved the Mars Volta. Which one though? Crematorium. Um, Francis the Mule. Francis the, the Mute. The Mute. That's the what mute. Um, I loved them. I loved um, 
God, there was like a kills record at the time that I can't oh, even yeah. remember. Yeah. Fried my little brains. Uh-huh. I was like super into that. And then I went on like this super weird Harry Nielsen kick. Love. Yeah. But he's, Which so has come back around. And now br- like. He's brilliant. Yeah. Yes. And it's weird because you like when we talk about Harry Nielsen. He is the quintessential pop writer. He is not. His music is not esoteric. Those yeah. are Beatles. I mean, him being a friend of John Lennon. Those are like beatles songs all the time. Hmm. So did you ever think about it like No, that? I didn't yeah, actually. Yeah, like. Like, um, what's the main one on Nelson Smilson? The the one about love or without the, you? The, thank you. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful song, but really accessible pop. Oh, and it's only like a minute and a half long. Oh, it's so I can even get my husband to sing it in the car, and not and like it's over before he starts to get embarrassed. <laughs> like he's like, oh, this is fun, and then as soon as like he's like, oh, now I feel self conscious. It's over. Did you? Oh my so god! I'm like tricked you. That was great. <laughs> it's so it's it was so good. Yeah. Did you ever see the documentary about that? Mm-mm. No? called who the fuck is harry nilson oh no and so there's this interesting thing and as, as a fan of him so that record nilson Milson, which was a really big deal for him kind of what is what broke him he was hanging out with john lennon one night apparently after doing this record this is kind of breaking him he's got at least like three singles on the record jump of the fire blah, blah, blah. so he goes and he hangs out with lennon and they have a screaming contest in studio okay right so john lennon is Amazing screamer, right? I've never heard of him, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) She's so heavy. There's this point where he's yelling so loud, he like breaks the mic basically on the recording. You can hear it; it's insane. So that ruined Harry Nilsson's voice for the rest of his career. (gasps) He 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 talks about this moment where he was trying to out yell Lennon, and he did, and then he found blood on the microphone. Oh my god! Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I actually admittedly have a lot of vocal issues myself. Do you really? I'm not a singer at all, but I have um. From working in smoky bars for so yeah. long, I have nodules on my vocal cords. Do you really? Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those people, A, I talk constantly. Yeah. So that's a problem. Um, and I guess I talk incorrectly, I've been told, okay. by um, doctors. And uh, and then I've actually, shockingly, a lot of people in my life that are speech therapists, which is really bizarre. Really? Yeah. But I guess so it's I'm, good, right? I'm, I guess, yeah, for Maybe. me. Um, but I'm told the way I speak... Um, uh, I pu- I speak from the front of my mouth, okay, and okay. I and I don't pull I guess air from my diaphragm. Maybe oh, I like I just sense. push it out yeah. way too hard. So like I'm it's like I'm working too hard. Oh. Um and yeah and I a, a colleague of mine is deaf and he's a lip reader and he's like it's really difficult to read your lips. Really, so you can yeah. tell from your embouchure like yeah. how how you're actually talking. Yeah, he's like wherever you're creating the sounds from, it's like he's like it's so difficult. No kidding. Yeah. So has it proved to be kind of like do you get fatigued when you're when you're doing these talks and lectures? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, only if I'm um, like on a tour or something, and yeah. like in Carousel, for instance, or or Tales of the Cocktail, you sure, know, where sure. it's just like you you're on all the time. You're yeah. so excited. You're seeing all your friends. You're giving presentations, and then at the end of the week, you know, it's just like croak, croak. So, yeah. so I feel for Harry Nielsen is what I'm Dude, saying. Yeah, that's a bro- well, that's an amazing parallel. Is there is there anything you can do? To kind of make it easier for you, like I don't know, rinse whiskey. Actually, <laughs> Axl Rose, I think, for some point would would just die by drinking whiskey before a show, saying it helped his vocal cords. I think um, it's the opposite. Actually, you're yeah. supposed to stay really hydrated. Did it, so, that's the reality of that's it. That's yeah, the reality. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he might. I'm sure it made him feel great, sure. but um, actually, drinking a lot is detrimental. Though. Absolutely. Um, I mean, to that at least. But uh, you know. Yeah, Whatever. it's it's weird, but that's a very interesting point because, and this kind of lead maybe we can lead into industry talk at, at this point. But 
there's repetitive injuries. Mm-hmm. People talk about elbows and joints all the time. Shoulders. They don't actually, oh my God. My shoulders. Oh, shoulder, yeah. Only time they stopped hurting was when I stopped bartending. No kidding. Like I tried Rotator everything. Rotator cuff stuff like in the front or? Um, more like mobility issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, like when you are. You know, let me. Why don't I let you finish here? No, that's. Uh, I mean, I, this is, we're riffing. This is the best. <laughs> part. This is the best part. Um, no, but that, but you're right. Like the repetitive injuries. But yeah. I don't think anybody talks about vo- the voice. It's yeah, that and really that's where mine strange. started because I bartended in. I started bartending in Louisiana. Yeah. And you could still smoke in bars up until like like four years ago. That's it. Was that yeah, really? Yeah. That and was- I worked in like this tiny, no ventilation, concrete box. Yeah. Um. Great little, you know, divey bar sure. downtown, but, but not like, great for your health. Probably. But not great for your health. So, um, was that a school? Because most people, when they kind of enter that industry, is just a, a means to support yourself during school. Did you want to? Um, I hang just out I used to hang out there, and I just loved it so much that I was like, "Can I work here?" Because I just <laughs> loved everybody that worked there so much. So you know, they kind of taught me how to bartend, <laughs> and uh, you know, we had a blast with some of the best. I'm yeah, life, best memory, you know? right? It's like, you got a radio show. Yeah. You're going to school for art. <laughs> you're working at a bar. I mean, that's the trifecta of having a very enjoyable. Pretty fun. Yeah, like early adulthood. Yeah. So what? So then it begs the question, then, what, what took you to Portland? Um, You know, I'd been in Louisiana my whole life and, you know, all of 18 year, 19 <laughs> years of it or hey, something, you know. Like, yeah. People, yeah. <laughs> um, well, don't get it twisted. It's the best state in the union. Let's just sure, be clear. Of, but, of course. Um, you know. Grass is always greener, and yeah. y- you know it is, it is a very conservative atmosphere. Um, you know, you find your bubble and you find your friends and like-minded it's not people. Not necessarily but, challenging, right? Um, uh, it just can wear on you sometimes. That some of the social issues are yeah. very intense, and you know, it's um, it can be very dangerous as well. And so, you know, there's a part of me that's like, I have been working so hard, and I just kind of want to go to some place that feels easy. Yeah, and um, which is weird because it's called the Big Easy. Isn't it's it? true. That is weird. God damn yeah. the irony is killing me. <laughs> it's not me. easy. It's not easy. Um, it's good marketing, though. Real but, marketing. Uh, yeah, so I ended up in Portland just because I wanted, you know, that's where I thought, you know, and now it's totally taken off. This was in 2009, I guess. Yeah. Wait, no. Yeah, 2009. I moved to Portland, and that's really when Portland was starting to see the, you know, people just start streaming in, you yeah, know, because they absolutely. wanted to be around Liberal, you know, creative, like-minded young people, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but it's, um, it's true. it was like this haven yeah. for creativity and liberalism and all yeah. that. Yeah, and I'm sure our my Portland friends would argue that that has been very detrimental for the city as sure. it stands now, you that's know. Fair. but um, People would say the same about Austin, too. Yeah, for know. sure. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You guys have a lot of similarities. But, right, um, we're kind of like Portland Junior because we haven't been around long. But yeah. all the influx of people, people, people bitch about it all the time. Yeah. I don't know but, why, but... But you enjoyed it? I did. It was a great city. I mean, I don't think, I think I knew living there, like, this is a great experience. And I met, you know, these amazing people. I met my husband. Um, that's where I really learned to bartend, yeah. like, for real. Um, and uh, and I loved it. It was a great experience. But I never really belonged there. And I'm happy to be back in the South. Because you're so, Yeah. I'm raised, Southern. Born yeah. and raised in the South. Yeah. Did you, did you, so you have this art piece. At what point was it pretty clear that you actually really wanted to pursue hospitality? Um, I always just had so much fun bartending and I'm yeah. like a fun addict. And my husband will tell you, like, <laughs> I'm addicted to fun. Yeah. Like, I want to be having fun at all moments. Shit, are you having fun now? I'm I feel like I might be like discounting this. For- <laughs> it's difficult for me to sit this long, to be fair, but I'm having a great time. Uh, good, good. Um, this is great. And I, you know, I love social interaction and I, you know, I love meeting new people. Yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, and I love being the reason that someone else is having fun. Sure. You, know? you like so, to enable fun yeah. and imbibe in fun. So, you know, that was always my thing. And, and when I met my husband, he's an unbelievable artist. He's a painter. Oh, really? um, he's a tattoo artist now. Um, but he's, you know, went to a very fancy painting did, school. Did and, he by chance do your work? On your uh, he has uh, one piece on my leg. That's that so cool. He's covered right now. But, um, yeah. but very talented and um, an incredible artist. So I, I think there's a part of me, like when I met him, that I was like, there's only room for one artist in this family. Like, if we're going to make this work, like, that's going to be your thing, and I'm just going to do this other good. thing. Like, You're not a Leo, are you? Yeah, I'm not, no. right, that's, uh, that's something that happens with those guys. But, but. Well, you that, know. that makes sense. Since You're like, all right, you do that. I'm going to be really good at this other thing that you're not doing. Well, he was doing it, though. Oh, he actually it, really? has two. Um, he has ownership in two bars in Portland and was bartending. It was more like um, low-key, like, neighborhood, awesome places that yeah, yeah. actually um, have great cocktail programs, one of which is, like, really good. Yeah. Um, but he was never like, you know, he loved it and he was super good at it and had, you know, pe- and has a great personality. And so people, you know, loved having him behind the bar, but sure. I don't think he was ever had the same fervor for the, the cocktail stuff right. that I did. Yeah. Um, did, did you find it then like kind of academically stimulating as well? Yeah, it was very challenging. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just got addicted to learning about that history and those drinks and that em- environment. And the reason I got into it is cause, you know, I was just kind of tired of working at shitholes. Yeah. And I was like, you know, the people that know about cocktails seem to have great jobs. People sure. treat them with so nice much respect. Places. Yeah. These nice, fancy places. I'm like, that's where I want to work. I don't want to get yelled at anymore. <laughs> and I definitely don't want to be around smoke. <laughs> so yeah, No kidding. Um, So that was kind of how I was like, I want to learn to do this. Well, so. then, so what was the, the Dallas gig that worked that kind of brought you, brought you guys here? So when we moved to Dallas, I, let's see, I think I made it like two weeks as a cocktail waitress at this like, horrendous uptown bar i don't know if you've never ever hung out in uptown dallas yeah i love dallas and <laughs> you know and i will always go to bat for dallas every single day but like yep. not a big uptown fan nah, it's not me, me. Neither. um so I like to y- wear what i like to wear and not feel like i'm underdressed it was a little weird but i yeah. mean there's some really good spots over there but now by the time those places weren't really around yet right. but um so i was uh and then I, I went to a place called the porch which is this like money factory um <laughs> basically it's like upscale casual like southern restaurant it's huge it's yeah. beautiful the food is really good the drinks are um you know cocktails but totally like cocktails for the masses sure and super high volume and you know this giant bar i think it was like 25 seats Holy at the bar God. 22 um very athletic job i've never worked so hard in my life did you like, like that aspect of it, the physical I, part? I did, yeah. um, and their training program was nothing like I'd ever been through. And it's funny because it wasn't like this fine, you know, fine dining white right. tablecloth place. But their training program is so intense, and their standards are so high, like ridiculous. Right. Um, and it was it was the most rigorous thing I've ever done. Wow. But I feel like coming out on the other side of that, you know, if you can be a great bartender there, you can be a great bartender anywhere yeah you gotta love that right yeah. if you can hustle like so. if you can go in and survive in new york proper then you can probably go anywhere right unless it's too slow and then right. you're like fuck this I'm yeah out. i gotta get out of here <laughs> um yeah and so then i was there for a while about a i don't know over a year or something and i consulted on a few projects around mm-hmm. dallas um lower greenville is an area that's super booming now yeah, yeah. but at the time was still kind of coming up and so one of the flagship properties there um, this place called HG Supply Company. Oh yeah, I did a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did a lot of well, 
I opened that place. But did you really? Yeah, that was oh, for all my menus. And, oh, cool. Yeah. Is he coming in town for the thing? I saw he was copied on it. Um, we just talk a lot. I I tagged him and I invited him because yeah. we talk a lot about like community Brilliant, issues dude. and like community. Oh, amazing! He's yeah. incredible. Um, but um, yeah. So I did um all their opening trainings and menus. Oh, cool! And then worked at a place called the, or did the same thing for a place called the Truck Yard across the street that mm. had like a treehouse bar, and so they were wow. trying to solve that issue. So That's we, already an issue. I'm yeah. To make, make, so we did yeah. bottled cocktails that were delightful and um. So it's all kind of speeding up and like you found your home in a sense. Yeah. Like this, you've nestled yourself in this industry. Did What was that transition like onto the brand side? Because I, I, I hate titles and I'm sure mm-hmm. everybody does because they have to come up with something oh so funny and so clever. Yeah. Or really, really black and white. But like, so right now, what would you say your titles? Because you've transitioned fully, right? To the brand yeah, side of it. Yeah. After all that, I was at... Um, a place called Victor Tango is managing their oh, yeah. bar, but not, I mean, it was under a year before I had already kind of started developing a relationship with the people at Remy Quancho. Yeah. And um, when this position opened up, you know, they approached me and approached my boss and, you know, asked what we thought. And um, it was tough because I felt like I was finally like truly hitting my stride as yeah. a bartender that was like, I was finally, you know, finding my voice and, you know, figuring out. I don't know, just like really coming to my into my own. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I was afraid that moving to the brand side, I would be like plucked too early or something, you know? Like, interesting. Yeah, you like, know, like um, you, so, I, I was afraid my growth would be stunted in that it, way. That yeah. um, you know, and it, it hasn't, it hasn't. It hasn't because, I mean, it has because I'm not physically behind the bar working right, so every day. Like, tactically, you can't make drinks the same way, but imagine how much more elements of business you're exposed For to. For sure. Right? Yeah. And and now I'm not just exposed to my program. I, you know, see bars all over the world. I have friends from all over the world that like teach me so much every day yeah. that um, I'm actually just learning at a crazy rate that I am like well, going feel overwhelmed college, most of the time. Yeah, right? It's a so, whole other kind of curriculum that maybe you yeah. never so expect. It, it was, it's been a really... Um, it's been a really good, good thing. So, with Remy now officially, is that is that the right way to, or is co- Collective Collective eighteen oh six? Yeah, that is it. Is it's a, a learning facet of Remy? Kind of. Yeah, it's our bartender engagement program Got that it, was okay. created by people at Remy. Um, um, a man named Richard Lambert, who's my direct boss. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, he really thought that at the time. I guess this was about four or five years ago, and they released or five ish years ago. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that that was something that Remy Contra wasn't doing enough of was like, you know, really engaging with bartenders and really like um, collaborating with them and, you know, getting them excited about the brands. And that's right. a huge part of the puzzle, you know. About, Absolutely. Well, um, engagement, right? Yeah. Whether it is in a sales environment or just a purely academic one or educational one. And obviously, if bartenders are excited about your brands, then consumers are going to be excited about your brands sure. and then the brand. Evangelical. Yeah, we'll right? live forever. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, so this was his um, answer to that, and uh, brainchild. Yeah, it's um, and it's been an awesome program. You know, I think a lot of these types of programs are really like sell, 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 and this right. is so not that way. And what would you? How would you say? And I know it's different. I've met mm-hmm. like, like we were talking earlier. Met plenty of people kind of affiliated with it, and it feels like uh, <laughs> this is a good thing. Yeah, it feels like an Oprah book club. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like where people like are talking about an issue, yeah. or talking about a piece of of something, and they're like, 
oh, it made me feel this way. Right. And it's like, I like this and I don't like this. And yeah. it, it's just a circle of people. And it. Yeah. I mean, I think above all, it's just, um, yeah, it's just like a collective of bartenders yeah. that, um, you know, it can be any, it's, it's, it's kind of intangible because it means different things to different people. Right. For me, a lot of times it's, um, and this is something that Justin Elliott and I have talked a lot about, um, you know, I like it to think of it as like a platform, you know, for information sharing. And, mm. and I know best practices are very important to Justin. And that's something we talk about a lot. Um, you know, for some people it's networking, for some people it's education. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's anything what you, you need yeah, it to be. Yeah. You know, it's, it, we just, we're just trying to connect people. Um, you know, and I've, it's, it's a difficult question to ask sometimes when people yeah. are like, or answer sometimes when people are like, what do you do for a living? Right. I'm like, well, um, this week I did this, you know, next week I'll do this. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think I'm a brand ambassador. Right. I um, champion a certain portfolio that I, you know, the Remy Quantra portfolio that I super believe in. What are, what are a couple, sort of, you, what are a couple of the, the main things that are really your favorites in the portfolio? Some of the players that you really um, like? You know, I love, I honestly can say that I love all the brands in the sure. portfolio. Um, You know, I, uh, I think technically we own Pessoa, but I'm not going to act like I know much about that. Um, but no, I really, you know, I think, um, you know, the house of Remy Martin, like, come yeah. on, you know, historic. Yeah. Um, you know, Mount Gay Rum, you know, it's the rum that, you know, refined rum. And now rum is the way we know it as today as, as, as yeah. today because of them, you know, I mean, um, obviously Cointreau, who pioneered a whole new category. Um, and is, is the botanist part of that too? The botanist, yeah. Brooke Lottie. I mean, really, botanist really, is... Oh, Brooke Lottie too. Oh, geez. Yeah, you know, th those are more of our like indie, you know, kind of the new kids. But, you know, those guys are really determined to do their own thing. You got... you. So that's... I, I met... I've interviewed Michelle. Mm -hmm. Fedora, right? Oh, yeah, Michelle's amazing. Great. And we talked about Brooke Lottie. And I told her the thing that I really liked about it is it felt like Sabbath. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like the way that they market. Not, not that it's metal, but it, yeah. that it's just like kind of cool and underground yeah but still dark you know yeah. and that's how some of those brands are like the botanist which is the same guy obviously yeah. but they're making something that's like slightly more polished maybe math rock versus math what is like rock. <laughs> so yeah. a little more metal you know that's hilarious and you know it's funny that you use something like math rock <laughs> yeah math rock because it is a very calculated it's totally brand calculated. in the sense that um the the gin i feel that way because you know i don't know if michelle told you the story mm. of how it was kind of invented but like you know, some people think it's this like miracle that, you know, we did allegedly, you know, the story is like that, you know, Jim took this um, chance and, you know, we had this amazing still and um, working with botanists to right. get all these unique flavors. But the funny part to me is that everyone's like, and then he distilled it and 17 hours later, it was perfect. And it just worked <laughs> on the first time. And I'm like, yeah, he's been distilling shit for 40 years. It wasn't like, like an accident. It wasn't he like an accident. Yeah, like, yeah, if anyone is going to do it right the first time, it's going to be Jim McEwen. Yeah. Like, you know, and so that part of the story, I think, is kind of funny. I think that's but funny, too. I mean, because it's yeah. like anytime Paul McCartney picks up a guitar, whether it's in my living room or my garage or a big stadium, yeah. always going to be good. Yeah. You know, exactly. it's just kind of how it goes. But, but I like that because you've got Quantro, if you take those three, they, they've got such different tones, such different background such different genres to for it, sure you know and i i don't know if it's to a fault or not but i love always using music as an analogy because it's one of the only things i can really get you know and brooke Gladdy is that like kind of just kind of like punkish yeah like, oh they're kind of loud they're more know? punk than you realize absolutely oh, oh, I, I yeah hope, I, I fucking hope i mean to. that's why it was a huge deal because you know they've been such an experimental and progressive brand yeah. since 2000 since they reopened in 2000 
that, um, you know, they have this cult following. Mm-hmm. So when Remy Quantro purchased them in 2013, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. It's like your favorite. It went to a major label, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, your yeah. favorite band getting signed by Sony, you know? And <laughs> oh, um, I mean, it, admittedly, we're smaller. Our company's a lot smaller yeah, than people guys, like, think we are. Records, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like a big, yes, big exactly. indie. Yeah. Yes. We're not um, Interscope. We're not Sony. No, no, no. Um, but, you know, this was a big deal to people because they're like, oh my God, everything's going to change. Everything's going to be different. The juices, you know, yeah. like we're going to be some kind of repressive force on them or something. And like, absolutely not. It's been yeah. an amazing partnership. You know, believe me, these guys aren't going to let anyone tell them what to do. I love that. So, no, it's been awesome. It's, it's been so really cool because it, it parallels so many bands' careers. Because, like, even if Nirvana blew up in 91, it's not because they changed their sound. Right. It's just because they were still young, right? Yeah. And then they do in utero, right? So, despite what kind of hands Geffen has on the whole process, and everybody's like, oh, well, they're going to sound like every other Geffen band now. No, you guys still do it, and you're still gritty. Just got more reach, bigger audience than before. That's awesome. Is that cool? Yeah. It's such a cool thing. It's like it's such a success story for this guy. This is off topic, but I feel no, like please. you'll appreciate this. Um, you said earlier about the Harry Nielsen documentary, yeah, which yeah, I haven't yeah. seen, but I did watch Dig, that Brian Johnson yeah, Masker um documentary, like the day before I met Anton Newcomb. Really? Yeah, at um uh in New Orleans at Twyropa, which is after Katrina never opened up again. Okay. Um, but this was must have been 2004. Um, oh, that's back in the heyday. Then. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And um, you know, and my uh, my boyfriend at the time, um, you know, really wanted to go. So and was like, I guess, so excited that we mm. went way too early. Like he was like afraid <laughs> we weren't going to get a good seat or something. And it's just like standing room only in this super small. Place. And there was no one else there. Yeah, right? There's no yeah. one else there. So we were there like two and a half hours early. No one's there. Um. I was like, well, this is lame, but whatever. And um, so we sit at this table and we're just like drinking and talking or whatever. And Anton Newcomb just comes up to us and oh, is really? like, hey, can I sit here? And we're like, yeah. They're like a lot. There's bound to be lots of other places to sit. Right. And you're the only but he was just there, like, right? he just like wanted to sit with the only other people that were there. Oh, wow. So he came and sat at our table and we talked for two hours. Oh, how was it? Insane. Oh, and by we, I mean, he talked yeah, for two yeah. hours. Like, um, I mean, he just was like vomiting these crazy stories all over us. And yeah. it, I mean, it was like the best experience ever. It was so much fun. There's something about NOLA. So I was, last time I was in New Orleans, I was at DBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty, it was a Friday night, but oh, before sorry. the band started playing. So there wasn't like a lot of people in there. And so I'm with with my wife and we're, we're looking around, sipping some whiskey as you do at DBA. And I'm like, I think that's Norman Reedus from Walking Dead. Oh. And Glenn which I can't remember his name in real life, and then Shane from Walking Dead. I yeah, don't watch it. Was, it's too scary for me, but I read oh, the comic pretty, books. So, it's, okay. Yeah, it's kind of kind of scary. Well, think of Boondock Saints. Yeah. Same, okay, same yeah. dude, right? Those guys. So that, we hung out with them, and they gave her love advice, and it involved not no less than five mentions of duct tape. Wow. And I was like, that's kind of weird. But anyway, that's like, that's what happened. That's why New Orleans, as, as, no matter what kind of tangent this is, that's the place. Stuff happens. Yeah. Man. It totally does. Huh. And it's music, it's booze and all that. Did you like tales this year i mean not to speak ill of it but how was your experience this year? i think this might have been my most favorite tales i've had so far but yeah. i'm lucky with tales because my family lives in new orleans so oh, you got a place to stay yeah, well and i wasn't i wasn't crashing with my sister this time but um it's like i have that out if i'm like i feel oh, overwhelmed i yeah. can like go have brunch with my sister and act like everything's totally normal That's and not so cool. totally insane you know <laughs> so I think just mentally it's nice having mm. that in the back of your head. But yeah, it's always busy. It's always crazy. 
but it's awesome. It's like my only chance to see, not only, but one of the few times a year that I get to see my friends from all over the world. Family reunion. Yeah. yeah. So you just never know who you're going to run into. I love it. That's a great thing. And I still haven't went because I keep getting caught up in either with the distillery business there or with the day job and all this yeah. stuff. Like, gotta go next yeah. year you gotta go i i really what i'd love to do next year and i would i'll put this out there so that maybe some people can help around and i'll talk to ann or whatever but i'd love to have a room and just yes. bring people in and just spend 15 minutes 30 minutes something i really, feel really like she would love that i would love it man she's all about like what something new yeah, so i don't sure. i think she would love that I it don't would know. be great and it's great talking to all, all you guys in bar institute i was able to do that this year yeah and, and you just get there's great people and it's so fun to hear their stories yeah you know that's one of the reasons that this keeps going so we you know we this is the first time we've met but we kind of chatted a little bit online because i heard you were coming into town of course and you're doing good doing god's work in dallas oh, God. and doing stuff globally with with remy and everything but you're coming into town specifically the towns in this tuesday which is august what i want to get the date august 9th, 9th at 1 p.m is that right oh my god no it's no. all day oh, well, <laughs> it's so <fair> intense <laughs> We're starting at 10 a.m., which Damn. is like horrible for bartenders. You know, True. it's so hard. But good for business people who are get the real people to come out, right? Maybe. I I mean, we have a, a really robust RSVP list right now, so I'm very oh, excited. Um, but I mean, yes, all are welcome. Anyone who's interested in this kind of stuff is welcome for sure. But so it's basically like, so you guys went to Bar Institute, right? Yeah. It's um, you, this is nothing like that. This is very, uh, I love Lush Life. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I think their programming is just like unbelievable. It's amazing, yeah. Um, but this is, it is educational, you know, uh, industry focused, but it's much more casual. It's much smaller. It's much, um, it's supposed to be like a round table, like community meeting yeah. almost, you know? And so we have this incredible moderator, Rick Dobbs, um, who uh, is from The Last Word and um, is a celebrated cocktail writer. He's traveling around the country. Where is he from, by the way? I'm not sure. I think California. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, we're Where's meeting. coming in town, do you know? Today, oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so we're. I'll meet him for the first time tonight or tomorrow. Oh, right. um, but, um, you know, we've talked online, and if you can seem hilarious through Facebook messaging, yeah. then you're probably actually really funny. So, <laughs> um, no, but he's great. Um, and, uh, so, and then we were involving, like, local... Mm -hmm you know, local people to tell their stories because it's supposed to be very Austin-specific sure. and a community discussion. So it's called the Athenium, uh -huh. um, which is, you know, a Latin word that basically means um, a center for learning, you know, yeah. a facility for learning. Um, and so we're going to have Justin Elliott is giving um, a presentation. In a, You know, I think it's quintessentially Justin, you know, it's like uh, intangible and inspirational and sure. it's, you know, people are going to love it. And it's, um, I, th I think that's going to be more about the, like the merits of, failure and you know the merits of failure yeah and like that is a justin yeah right and like his lovely thing though, yeah his um you know journey up until this point and then rick will be doing a two-part really um granular that's a justin word for sure <laughs> um granular um you know in-depth two-part presentation on bar management in general and yeah. i don't i don't i'm not sure how deep he's gonna dig into that but it's like two and a half hours long. So that's amazing. Um, broken up. And then um, Justin and Dennis, yeah. Justin Lavenue and Dennis Gobis are going to be telling their story, which is basically like how to open two bars with no money by that's Justin and Dennis. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right place at right time. And a lot yeah. of And the things that are going to totally blindside you. Yeah. Um, and then my presentation, I am really, I know it's super important information and I'm like, hell-bent on getting the discussion going about it. I'm just so afraid that it's going to be boring. 
so Wait, yeah so let's all let's, what, what's the best possible radio-ish elevator pitch for your presentation on tuesday <sighs> go with just harken back to the days my like, whoa, whoa, whoa. all right well um <laughs> 45 Minutes in Heaven with Emily Ooh, Arsenault. That's perfect already. Discussing right, um, <laughs> managing your supplier and distributor relationships. See, <laughs> I'm already ready to at least listen for a while. Okay, that's, that's good. good. That's good. Yeah, so it'll be, I mean, it's super important. And, you know, Texas is a crazy, very unique place to be in a leadership position in a bar. Yeah. And it's a very strange world to navigate. And this is actually something that Mate and I talk about constantly um, you know, not navigating that world of you've got weird salespeople that you don't know that seem to turn over very quickly, but right. then they have specialists as well. And you know, what is a distributor and how is it different than a supplier? And you know, where are these brand ambassadors coming from? And who's this, you know, all of a sudden it's yeah, like you a have a business questions. card within your email, your new email, bar manager email on it. And yeah. it's just like blows up with all these people that like want a piece of you, right. you know, and, and how, how to it, really get around that. It's funny because in a, in a sense you, as a bar manager or a beverage director, you've become a celebrity in a sense. Oh, for sure. And no one gave a shit before. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> oh, you're the you're running like just at the back bar. Yeah, they're like, "Are you making the decision?" No. Okay, I gotta go. How, yeah, that's how, not fair. That's not how. Do, how do we deal with that? Well, hopefully that's something that we're gonna. Is that, is that some part of the? That's part of it. Yeah, yeah. that's. You know, we're going to talk about the fundamentals no spoilers, of like, of course, well, I mean, <laughs> I just don't want it to get ugly because yeah. I know it can be really frustrating for people sometimes, you know, and on both sides, on all sides of yeah. it, um, you know, we're stuck with this tier system that can be very difficult and very confusing, but you know, you've got some really amazing people and all in the class B's in the distributor in the right. supplier, like, I mean, twin liquor, for example, like, you know, they're an incredible class B retailer totally. with like people they're that actually give a shit about you. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. Um, so, you know, it's like, I w want those people to be there and I want us to all be talking about how wacky it can be, I yeah. guess. And, and how can we make it easier and how can we make it more transparent and how can we communicate because it should be a symbiotic relationship. It should Always. be win-win collaboration all right. the time. And not like a negotiation thing where it's like, well, if you buy this, no, I mean, get some pep, no, right? Yeah, uh, what? That dry. I don't. I'm not in that tier. Yeah, it's illegal. It's so, so strange. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, well, maybe we'll yeah, see. Right? right? It's yeah. Just, it, it's a very interesting. Right now, it's it's such an interesting point in time because of what craft means. Everybody's got their kind of subjective opinion about it, but that's blowing up in a sense, creating so much more saturation in the market which means more and more people, more and more brands. And then you have this wanting to be a beverage director, wanting to be a bar manager without really wanting to put in the dues. It's a lot it's of emailing. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I feel like so many bartenders that make that transition are like, you know, they're so good at, at with, with the guests and with yeah. drink creation and with you know, keeping a great vibe behind the bar and, um, you know, even assembling a good team or things like that. But then, to also have that operational part of your brain, mm -hmm. you know, click on and have and be in front of a computer doing admin every morning. Like Excel, that's hard man. for a lot of people. Yeah, it is. You know, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what everyone says. But I'd, yeah, I'd like to see and be the kind of a fly on a wall and see what that that collaborative, the speech, how people talk to each other and what kinds of questions it raises and everything. And so an all day affair. Yeah, well, Tuesday. I think we're going until. Start at 10, we'll have breakfast and coffee for everyone, um, and then we'll have lunch catered yeah. through the Townsend, and their food is so good. Oh, Best amazing. burger. Oh, dude. Best so good. My favorite burger in Austin right oh, now. So good. Between a slider and a burger, but it's so good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then we'll have lunch with those guys, 
finish up hopefully I think around three forty five. Yeah. Um, oh, not well, too bad then. Not too five, bad. It's like five and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. That's that's really not that long of a day. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, you know, we'll be in a room with no windows. I hope that doesn't bother anybody. It's a be, dark place. It'll be true. great. <laughs> yeah. It'll just you know we want it to be an intense afternoon. It's gonna be great. It certainly will. Um. But then we'll have a happy hour at um four thirty okay. at Small Victory. So okay. Josh and those guys are opening early for us. Oh right. Yeah. And so. Um, they've got a little menu for us, and that'll that'll actually be the only branded part of this experience. Because the rest like, of it's it's cerebral and academic. Yeah, that's the thing that I really really appreciate about this. Is yes, maybe Remy's behind this, but but you're not going to see like yeah, Remy not, or Quattro or Mount yeah, or that. You will at the happy hour. It'll be on the menu. No, I mean, obviously, we'll be serving the, the products. But, but you know, um, to, to have a constructive conversation and dialogue between people that are in positions, it's. It completely separate from the brands, which it should be. Yeah. Because running a business and having conversations about your woes as a bar manager or your woes as an entrepreneur, that's, that's, that's nothing to do with brands. It's our yeah. journeys, you know? Do well, you, like, no, it, you know, I have the background of a, of a bartender. Yeah. And so, you know, it makes sense to me. But then I forget that a lot of people in distribution, a lot of people in supplier realm, like a lot of people don't, yeah. you know? So... I think sometimes people forget who's actually in charge. Absolutely. And it's the bartenders, you know? Well, yeah. and the distributor who's like, no, you can't <laughs> have that. Yeah. Sometimes. yeah, oh, yeah. The distributor piece of it. Are you taking this kind of concept, this referendum, I'll even call it, are you taking that on the road here outside of Austin? Yeah. Um, so we've had two sessions in Miami that were great. Oh, cool. Um, we've had one session in New York City. We've had one session in... Oakland, and then another, I want to say, in San Diego. Interesting. So yeah. It's, it's the span. You guys are on tour. We're on tour. Yeah. And I mean, we'll see how it goes on Tuesday. I have very high hopes. I think it's, you know, everything's falling into place and it's going to be a really, po- I just want it to be a positive experience for everybody. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, they'll be back. You know, we're going to do it again in Austin. So oh, cool. Okay. Different topics, you think? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But just always keep the conversation going. Yeah. I mean, it will, it, it's kind of like, um, organic because it will see how it ends or what really is the focus of the day on Tuesday or what people are the most interested in. And then yeah. we'll, you know, reconfigure after that. So does your, cause it's kind of a way to wrap this all up, but did your husband travel with you too? Or Sometimes. Yeah. 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 I, I love Remy so much. Um, and I got to give him big snaps. I mean, it's a French company yeah, and yeah. quality of life is very important to them. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I'm on the road a lot and, uh, yeah, they totally celebrate me wanting to, you know, bring my husband that's incredible person i like to hang out with the most yeah, you know yeah. with me so yeah we get to travel a lot together it's really fun that is great yeah he's not here for this visit but um that Got sucks and everybody's like where's josh where's josh so good stuff to keep i guess holding down the fort in dallas yeah yeah happens sometimes with the yeah he's got to watch our two giant dogs and what kind of dogs um we've got a two rescues one's a white lab kind of mutt mix yeah. and one's um the elder statesman shaquille <laughs> is elder um <laughs> Is uh some kind of like shepherdy mix? He's yeah. just brown. Oh, He's so just cool. like super brown. I don't know. That's amazing. They're the best. Well, so good. So it's it sounds like it's a very interesting kind of trajectory from radio to art to hospitality to education. Is this all any surprise to you? Are you do you keep looking? You kind of like reflect back on things and think like, shit. Well, this actually went in a different direction. This it did. Different. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of people my age have not a similar story, but a similar like point that being the recession yeah. you know uh, that you just had to make a new plan you know and yeah 
So, um, you know, I don't know what, I never was one of those people that's like, when I grow up, I'm going to do this. When I grow up, I'm going to do this. I don't know. I just wanted to be having fun. Yeah. And, you know, I knew I wanted to go to college and I knew I enjoyed ceramics. So I did that, but I never thought for a second that I was going to be some celebrated production <laughs> potter. Not like right, there's anything right. wrong with that. I mean, yeah, I'd it'd be amazing, but it'd be amazing. Not, but like, yeah. I was never that awesome at it. So, um, you know, it's just something I really enjoyed and I met amazing people and I loved the creative environment. But, um, you know, I get all that now through this. You know, yeah. I'm able to express myself and be a critical thinker in all these ways I never expected. So. Yeah, and you get to travel a whole bunch. That part is really nice. Not a bad gig. No, a good one. Best not, one. I love I'll, it. I'm lucky. I'll reach out. I think I'd like that gig. It's, <laughs> a, it's really fun. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Great. It's yeah. really, really, I'm very, very, very lucky. So. I think it's great. Well, and, you know, the best of luck. And, of course, we're sipping on some Cointreau, as you do. As you do. 80 proof, 40%. Nice illusions. Just a wonderful. I mean, it... Is there a better prototypical orange no, than that? There's absolutely not. not. It's a standard. Fundamentally, absolutely not. I mean, it is lowest in sugar of any orange liqueur, highest in essential oils, which yeah. you can see from the luging. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, insane flavor. It just, you know how normally you drink an orange liqueur and you get that like tic tac yeah. flavor? Oh, yeah. No, this is, this deep, is like fresh, fresh, round. fresh, yeah. super zesty. Um, I've had the pleasure of having dinner with um, our former master distiller, Bernadette Longley, who mm. just retired I think this past week or month wow. um, after decades with the distillery. Amazing woman. And she's one of those people that's like, even though maybe there was a language barrier sometimes, mm. um, it didn't matter. You know, it's like <laughs> she can just like see right into your soul. That's and it's just like such a brilliant woman and incredible person. We had so much fun. We skateboarded together. Oh, it was no really shit. fun. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. She's like the coolest. That's so. a, It's brilliant. I mean, this is, you know, really, I appreciate you coming by on a Sunday. Yeah, no, this is awesome. I think Tuesday is going to be great. I think there's going to be a lot of productive conversation. We're drinking Cointreau with a single rock. It's 100 degrees out. I'm pretty pleased about this. Me I too. Hope, I hope it was, uh, I hope you were having fun. I had so much fun. It's so great, man. It's great chatting with you. And uh, we absolutely have to keep in touch, Emily. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. I, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, there we have it. What do you guys think of Emily? Well-rounded has spent some great time in the trenches in the industry, has done some radio into art, has that Louisiana soul. And this last time when we met, she was in town for the Anthenaeum, kind of an educational forum to learn from some of the leaders in this industry and learn about the things that they've went through. I'm sure there will be another installment heading your way soon. But in the meantime, Emily will be leaving Texas and transitioning into a larger role with Collective 1806 in New York in the upcoming months, and I can't wait to see what kind of direction the program takes as a result. And again, if you guys are in Dallas tonight wanting to dress up for Halloween or not wanting to dress up for Halloween, check out Victor Tango's. You have a collection of some of the finest minds in the game, all benefiting the barman's fun, Mr. Brian Floyd's baby. I think it will be a great time, lots of talent, and who knows what kind of antics you guys are going to get into. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V. It's Halloween. Don't eat too much candy. Give as much away to those fine trick-or-treaters as you can. And whether or not you're thinking about ever watching The Walking Dead again, please keep thinking.